1: Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
2: Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the uh, second hour of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. We're going to talk about the impact of uh, the pandemic and, and quarantines on introverts and uh, talk to um, an author who has some advice for introverts heading back out into normal or the new normal. The book is called uh, Overcoming Awkward and it's uh, written by Monica Parkin who joins me by phone. Hi Monica, welcome to the show.
1: Hi Tom, thanks for having me. Um, I read
2: somewhere that you consider yourself an introvert.
1: I do, yeah, I sure do.
2: And yet you're out there doing stuff. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah it's been a bit of a journey you know if you talk to me six years ago I was the uh you know the mom that didn't even get out of the car to drop her kids off because I might have to talk to the other moms and you know when I go through the grocery store lineup I don't know about there but here they look at your card and they oh hello Monica you know did you find it and I'd be like don't talk to me like uh, you don't know me don't be saying my name to the whole store you know I, I just really struggled with with making those connections and you know obviously you know, here we are five or six years later and, you know, I'm on your show. I'm a keynote speaker. I have a large <laughs> community, a big social circle. Things have, have obviously changed along the way. But at my core, I'm still an introvert, you know, like even these interviews. I love them. I enjoy them. But when I'm done, I'm like, oh, okay. Now I just got to go hibernate for like five hours to recharge. Well, you know, it's it's uh,
2: interesting um, in january of 2020 i closed the studio i had my own studio and i moved all of my equipment home and set up a studio at home and i thought this was going to be so unique and different you know to to be broadcasting from home instead of going out every day to a studio and i thought i would be unique and different and then uh a few weeks later, everybody was working from home, and it didn't <laughs> seem didn't seem so unique or, or special at that point. Um, but what does this mean for people who are um, are introverts? It, it was a cool thing for me because um, I didn't feel disrupted by the the quarantine when it first started in March of 2020, because I was already planning to be working from home. So I was doing what I was going to be doing anyway. But it changed things for a lot of people. How did it impact introverts? Did they look at it like, oh, wow, this is so cool. I don't have to go anywhere.
1: Well, you know, to be honest, I think for some of them it did. I've got a family that's kind of half introverts and half extroverts. So, you know, my my two daughters are are introverts. My son's an extrovert. So my son was just climbing the walls. Like, how soon do we get out? (laughs) When can I go see my friends? Like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And my daughters were like, this is the best thing ever. Like, this could go on for 50 years and we'd be totally cool with it. Like, it took away all that pressure Um, to have to, you know, go out and and interact with people and they've already, because they're introverts, they kind of already set up their world. Not that they don't have social connections or or friends, but those friends are typically also introverts. And it's not that, you know, maybe this misconception is that introverts don't have friends or they're not social. They do, but but they have these kind of really deep discussions and deep friendships rather than um, wanting to just go out and chat about things and... Not that extroverts don't have deep friendships either, but, you know, like, they just tend to drill really deep into into thoughts and, and conversations and, um, and have maybe a smaller social circle and be just more comfortable at home. But, yeah, that's what the introverts in my family said. That's certainly how I felt, too. I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Like, people aren't just stopping in to say hello and have a cup of coffee or, you know, like, I can choose the time and the place that I want to hang out with people and... Uh, and, yeah, it just, I think, I think for a lot of introverts, it was like, wow, this is, this is actually the best thing ever.
2: For, for an introvert, what does it really mean to be an introvert? Is it somebody that's, um, that just feels uncomfortable interacting with other people? What, what, what is at the heart of being an introvert?
1: Yeah, I think like anything, it's it's really a bit of a spectrum, so it's going to mean something different for everyone, but in terms of sort of that universal definition, one of the ways that they define introverts is, you know, extroverts get their energy off of other people. So when extroverts go out and meet people and hang out with people, they actually get energized by that. And I certainly see that with the extroverts in my family. You know, when the pandemic ended, you know, my son went out with his friends for the first time. He came home, he was vib- he was almost vibrating. He couldn't stop talking. And I'm like, what, did you have like 10 cups of coffee? He's like, no, I'm an extrovert. I just saw people. I'm so excited. Whereas introverts find their energy gets drained around people, right? So the more time they spend talking to people, the more exhausted they get, the more they need time to recharge. And I think part of that is because many introverts, at least me, that are at least speaking for myself a little bit socially awkward, we don't always understand all the social cues. So sometimes it's like you're not just talking to someone. You don't just have one channel open. You've got all these channels open because you're thinking, well, how much eye contact do I need to make? Did I talk too long? Where do I put my hands? You know, blah, 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 blah. And, and small talk is really difficult. So if you, so if it's just sort of making small talk, it drains a lot of energy and and I think introverts find that really exhausting to try to come up with little small topics. But you know, the where they shine is if you get them talking about something that's really interesting to them then that comes really easily. And then instead of being like a computer with 20 browsers open, all of a sudden they've just got this one window open and they're focused on what they're talking about. And, um, and that becomes a lot easier.
2: One of the things that exploded during the uh, various lockdowns and quarantines of the pandemic, which, you know, in some ways is over in some ways, maybe not quite yet, but, um, it is this idea of uh, remote work, working from mm. home. And I'm just wondering if that isn't something that um, was seen as uh, the way of the future for a lot of introverts, you know, that started working from home and thought, I should always do this.
1: You know, I have talked to a lot of those people. You know, my other business, um, when I'm not an author, I'm a mortgage broker, and we've seen this huge trend in the real estate industry. All these people that used to live in the city in apartments and commute to work every day, they're now moving out to the suburbs because they can have a home office, they can have the yard, they can have all that stuff, and they plan to never go back to work. They plan to work from home forever, and that's why they've moved out to a house because then they don't need to commute anymore. And I've talked to a lot of people that have said, you know what, six months from now, our office is supposed to go back to work. If they tell me I have to be back in the office, I'm going to find a different job. Like, I love this, and I am never going back to working in the office, particularly in my industry, people like underwriters, people whose jobs are really easy to do remotely. Uh, they're like, I'm not, I'm not going back. I'm, I'm happy with this. And then there's that other group that's like, you know, I can't wait for this to be over. I can't wait to get back to the office and see my see my friends and my colleagues and stand around the water cooler and chit-chat. Uh, but for those introverts, a lot of them are, are in that camp. This is the way of the future. This is the way it's going. And
2: I'm on this train, and I'm not getting off.
1: I like it here.
2: Well, wearing the mortgage hat for a moment longer, um, do you think that, the difference uh in in people wanting to continue to work from home is about introvert extrovert or is it more of a financial thing it's it's cheaper to to work from home than to commute every day and to go out for lunch every day and and some of those things that we used to do routinely
1: yeah i i think it's it's uh uh decision to have more balance in their life right a different kind of a lifestyle more so um than financial because you know when you move from that little 600 square foot condo in the city even though you are uh, buying lunch and commuting to work your mortgage is a lot lower than moving out of town to that bigger house that's going to cost more money so i don't know if if budget plays such a role as you know that ability to just get up in the morning make your coffee go to your desk, boom, you're at work. Uh, instead of having to, to stay at work at lunch, you can now, you know, you can go to your home gym or you can go for a walk or, or maybe, you know, maybe have lunch with your spouse or do things that you couldn't do before and have a little bit more of a sense of balance. And And you're you're losing that two-hour commute or that whatever that commute is that you used to do. That's now <clears throat> free time for you. You know, I talked to one person who she isn 't the person that lives in the condo she 's the person that lives out of town, but she would spend an hour every morning and every evening commuting and that 's now an hour of her life that she she gets back so I think there's a lot of factors, but for some people that are that are introverts, that is the biggest piece of their decision and for other people it's it's all those other little bits that go into their, that decision.
2: I know. I've really enjoyed uh, the change in my commute. (laughs) It's literally down the hall from the living room.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And now the challenge with that, though, that I've talked to other people. um, So when you're at the office, you have a clear end of your day, right? Five o'clock comes, someone locks the door, go home for the most part. There's all these signals to your brain, you know, the the sign's going off. You're no longer open. It's closed. People are making their way home. Things are, there's all these signals to stop working, pack up, and go home. The danger when you're working from home is that you don't get those signals. So there's this temptation to go, well, I'll just do five more minutes. I'll just do five more minutes. Or I'll work on one more file, and all of a sudden it's 8 o'clock, and you look up, and, and you've worked all day. And, you know, in, for some people it can actually throw them out of balance and they switch, not that they're becoming workaholics, but they find that the boundaries get really blurry um, because they don't have all those cues to stop working.
2: Well, I have a very separate office and studio in my home. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can walk out of the room and close the door and pretend it's not here. I think that's an important element for people that are working from home. So they're not you know, sitting there with you know a plate of food and and a, a movie playing on television and their laptop,
1: I agree. Yeah. And you know, I actually just recorded the audio version of the book uh, about a month ago. and and the producer where I recorded, he he had his studio about twenty feet from his home, right? He said he had the option of converting his garage to a studio, but he really wanted it to be separate for exactly that reason that's that separation of personal life and work where you actually for him he actually shuts the door walks across the driveway goes to the studio um and and yeah it's definitely you know in the beginning of the pandemic i think a lot of people had offices set up at kitchen tables and in their living rooms and things like that and uh I was talking to someone who works in like the office supply industry and they said, you know, the first six months there wasn't a big uptake, but six months into the pandemic, all of a sudden, like you couldn't even get a desk in stock or you couldn't get um, doors and drywall and things like that to make a home office because people were going ahead and, you know, turning spare bedrooms into offices or adding rooms onto their home or, or building that little shed out in the yard that's an office. And it was really hard to even get some of those items in stock because people were wanting to do exactly what you said. They're like, you know, this working at the kitchen table thing while my kids are homeschooling is not working for me. I need to be able to walk away, shut the door, block out the world and get my work done.
2: Well, it was kind of all of a sudden, um, you know, everybody was under the same roof trying to do remotely um, trying to live their lives remotely, um, but but all around the same table. And I think that's been really tough for a lot of people. Um, would that have, have still been a little bit of a relief for introverts, or, or would there be a little too close quarters?
1: You know, it's interesting because I'm an introvert. I have an extroverted spouse. So when i was working from home there's this introvert part of me that's like oh this is awesome i don't have to go into the office i don't have to make small talk i can just put my head down get to work but then i have this extrovert spouse who you know he'd be like hey it's it's lunchtime do you want to make lunch together do you want to you know he wanted to pop his head in and start chatting because you know he's the extrovert and he's dying for this social connection uh and meanwhile, I'm like, you know, I'm I'm really enjoying this quiet time. Can you go away now? I want to get some work done. So it took us a little while within our household, actually, to find this balance where, you know, he's so attention-starved as an extrovert, and I'm so like, I gotta, I want to get some work done. Monica, to, to have boundaries.
2: I hate to interrupt, but I have to take a short break here. Can you stick around for a few minutes? I should sure can we'll right, be
1: right back brand new dance now
2: hi this is mark farner and you're listening to the tom
3: sumner program
4: Hi, this is Deb
0: Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show.
2: Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue my conversation with the author of a new book that aims to help introverts thrive in the workplace. The book is called Overcoming Awkward. My guest is called Monica Parkin, and she joins me by phone. Hi, Monica. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that.
1: You bet Tom I actually really enjoyed those uh those little commercials about the gift cards I was sitting here having a little chuckle <laughs> That's actually our
2: her state attorney general she does
1: these
2: little, I, yeah, She does these I little skits that, yeah. that that are PSAs and and I've decided to use them you know where I have room and and they're really fun she's she's got a pretty good sense of humor um, and I didn't used to think she had a sense of humor Monica because I told her <laughs> I told her a joke once and she didn't laugh. <laughs>
1: oh that's funny. But uh, yeah, no it caught my attention and I and I listened to it which is what uh you know what a PSA what you want it to do usually you tune them out but I was I was very engaged so I was impressed with well them.
2: Well, speaking of PSAs, your book Overcoming Awkward is a bit of a PSA cuz it, it it sort of helps introverts um, deal with the the awkwardness of uh, uh, coming out of quarantine Um, for a lot of people and you were describing people in the last segment and even in your own family they can't wait to get back out and be around other people and then there are some that you know are not quite in such a hurry is being an introvert Debilitating, or is it just um, awkward and inconvenient?
1: I don't know if it's either one of those. You know, I think it's um, it's it's just who you are, and there isn't necessarily a good or a bad. You know, just like in society, we have those people that like to get up early in the morning, and we have those people that like to stay up late, and they both sol- you know solve different problems. Same thing with the introverts and the extroverts. You know, when we look at studies of introverts and extroverts in the workplace, they both excel in really different areas, right? So those extroverts can get out there and make those connections and make their voice heard and sort of rally the troops, and and they're really good at at doing those things. But when we look at what introverts are good at, the studies show us that they're actually really great in in teams where they can... um, Gather people to, you know, coordinate information. They're deep problem solvers. They're deep thinkers. And when I say in teams, not so much the that that um, rally the troops like extroverts are, but they're really good listeners. They're really good at letting everyone be heard. Uh, at asking deep questions about being curious and about like peeling back, like peeling back the layers of the onion and really getting to the root of the problem. Like if we look at introverts through history, you know, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, uh, even people like Meryl Streep that we think of, we don't think of as a traditional introvert. Those people are all introverts, and uh, they do business in a different way. They serve a different purpose in the workplace, but they serve a really important purpose in the workplace. It's just it's just different. And so, you know, for business leaders, it's it's knowing how to to really use the personality type of the people that, that work for you or in business to use your personality type to the best advantage.
2: You know, there's a question I always, I I have a lot of writers on the show, and I ask writers because writing is a very solitary thing. If they Mm -hmm. like the part where they go out and do book signings and book readings and um, interact with people who've read the book and get feedback and so on. And it's really interesting to hear the variety of responses. Some people love interacting with people, and some people would rather just stay at home and write.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know my editor had said to me, as, you know, as the book gets a little more press and I start to, to, you know, do more of these calls and shows. And she said, you know, how are you feeling about that as an introvert? Like, is that, is that causing you stress and anxiety? Because I know a lot of writers, they love the writing process, just like you said. And then this media piece comes in and they just want to crawl under, under a shell and there's others that love it. And I guess the thing to remember about introverts is you know, when they're talking about something they're passionate about, that's interesting to them. For the most part, they really enjoy that. Right? What they struggle with is that at making small talk, talking about the weather, having to think of of topics for conversation, as opposed to like what you and I are doing, where we're talking about something that you know I'm very knowledgeable about and passionate about, and it's it's a really interesting conversation to have. Um, but that ability to feel comfortable with it is. Something that comes with practice and and so that's good advice for anyone right You don't become a world class soccer player overnight, and an introvert doesn't become socially comfortable every overnight. It's something you have to go out and practice and do every day to get comfortable with it Now
2: you mentioned um, that you um work in mortgage lending. And that seems Mm. to me like it's kind of a people thing, like you have to meet with people. But are you able to do a lot of your work from home?
1: I am. But, you know, funny thing, when I became a mortgage lender, that's why I chose that career. And this is kind of how the book got started. But when I chose that career, my mortgage lender basically dealt with me by phone and email. I never had to go into her office. We did all our interactions virtually, and this was like 10 years ago. And so I thought, well, what a great job for me. I can stay home. I can hang out with my dog. I don't have to interact with people. And then I, you know, I did the coursework. I got my license. I got hired at a firm. And then they said, you know, okay, now you got to go network. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> well, you got to go network. you got to meet people. you got to bring in leads. And I just about quit on the spot. Like, I did not get the memo. I didn't know that was part of the job. And this was this huge thing that I had to overcome, and that's I think kind of where where the book started to form is this realization that I had no tools, no abilities. Like I had no idea what I was doing, how I was going to go out and get those clients, and and it turns out I had to do it a different way. Um, but uh, that was a huge obstacle for me to overcome. I can even I could tell you a story about that, but I don't want to. I don't wanna to talk too long without flipping it back to you. Oh, no, but no, no, no. that's, yeah, that's fine. Up, so. That's that's Yeah. Fine. So yeah, so let me tell you the story. So they said, Well, you know, we'll make it easy for you. There's a Chamber of Commerce dinner next week. Um, we'll invite you along, you know, we can sit at a table, have dinner together. And so I tossed and turned all night, like I gotta go to this big event, I gotta go talk to people, shake hands and And like I said, I almost quit. And I thought, you know what? There's going to be some people I know at my table, people from the office. I can do this. I can totally do this. So, so, you know, got myself ready, showed up at this event, walked in, and no one from my office is there yet. And (laughs) and I did, yeah. And you know what I did? I turned around. I went back out to my car. (laughs) And I just sat there and had a little meltdown. Like, I can't do this. I cannot do this. And I was just getting ready to, to start making excuses to say I wasn't feeling well to go home. And, of course, one of my colleagues drives up. So then at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to do this. And, you know, I walk in and, and there's all these people there. I'm so overwhelmed. And all these things start, you know, going through my head. Like, I, you know, who do I talk to first? How do I introduce myself? You know, am I talking to this person too long? Am I, you know, am I hovering at the food table too long? Like, what? I put my hands like like just all these thoughts are going through my head and I ended up spending honestly most of the evening just in the bathroom playing on my phone because it was too scary to be out in that group of people not knowing what to say, not knowing what to do. Finally, you know, halfway through the night, I was like, come on, like grow up, get yourself together, go shake some hands. So I did. I did all the things you're supposed to do. I went out, I introduced myself, I shook my people's hands, I them you know i'm the best mortgage broker ever whatever i talked about myself and how they could use my services and i got through that night i come home at the end of the night and i've got this handful of cards right and i'm looking at all these people's cards and i'm thinking like i don't know these people i didn't make any connection with these people we didn't talk about anything really important to me and i threw the cards in the garbage and then i had this moment where i was like oh my gosh if I just threw all their cards away, that means they just threw my cards away. That means all the effort that I just put myself through, the shaking hands, the talking about myself, none of that worked. Like, it didn't work for me because I didn't show up authentically. I just showed up like a deer in a headlights, going through, like, the motions of connecting, but I wasn't really connecting. And that's kind of when I started this journey uh, towards you know, coming out of my introvert self and actually um, working on my business in a different way, building connections in a different way.
2: For people who are introverts, um, and and for the last couple of years, we've been on lockdown and quarantine. A lot of things have been closed. Some people have been working from home. Some people have been just completely off work. And as a result, a lot of people are Are rethinking what they're going to do uh, as a livelihood, if it's something they can do working from home, or maybe they just didn't like the job they had before and had a chance to think about it (laughs) and decide, I'm going to do something else. For people that are going through that, rethinking what they're going to do for a livelihood, um, and I'm thinking about introverts in particular, are there certain types of work that would be appealing to them that that they should think about pursuing?
1: Interesting. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, I pursued this job thinking that it was one thing and finding out that it was something different, but <laughs> actually learned to thrive and grow in that job, right? What I found out is that I'm actually really good at building relationships, but I do it differently than extroverts, right? And one of the best pieces of advice someone gave me, or I'll tell you the story, I was so I was trying to get a foothold in this industry. And I say this for people that are maybe thinking about an industry and think, well, I'm an introvert, I can't do that. That's a that's an extrovert industry, right? Um, so I called up some women in my industry that are really successful and I'm like, listen, I'm doing everything. I'm buying leads, I'm advertising, I'm going to these stupid networking events, even though I hate them. I'm not getting any business, like what am I doing wrong? And, you know, they all said the same thing. They're like, you know, just be you, be yourself. And they make me so mad because I'd be like, that's the stupidest advice ever, right? Like, <laughs> that's what they tell. Like, like this is stupid. They, they just want the business. They don't want me to succeed. This is what people used to tell me in grade two when I couldn't make friends, right? Just be yourself. But then I called the next person. And the next person would say the same thing and the next person would say the same thing. And I finally thought, you know, like maybe there's something to this. Maybe I need to think about this. And so I started to stop talking about business all the time. Like, stop talking about mortgages. Stop talking about my interests. And started, like, being me. And me, by the way, is like this quirky, crazy little goat lady, right? Like, I've got a farm full of miniature goats. I, I love animals. I'm, 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 just, I'm just a little bit quirky. And so I started showing the world the side of me that I really never showed before, this quirky, crazy goat lady. And the funny thing is, the more I acted like me, my authentic self, the more I talked about things that were interesting to me, and and just relaxed and didn't try to pretend to be this stiff business person, this financial person, the more people connected with me, right? And the more my business started to grow. And it grew just kind of organically, and really exponentially. It grew really quickly, when I just started to be me, right, I just started to build connections with people one at a time by being me. And so I guess that's my advice for introverts is when you're trying to be someone you're not, it shows, right? It shows in your posture. It shows in your personality. It shows in the way that you talk. When you're just you, like just you, not only do you seem more appealing to people, is it easier to have conversations but you give other people the freedom to be themselves, too, right? When you start to just be you, it lets everybody's walls down. And when you're a bit vulnerable, it gives other people the space to do that, too. And that's where you build those relationships. So, you know, if you're an introvert and you're thinking, I can't do that job because you have to you have to do sales or, or I only want to do this job because I'm going to be at home and I don't have to talk to people all day, I'd say, like, think about stretching your comfort zone because six years ago, you know, I was that person that only wanted to stay at home. And now, even though I'm an introvert, you know, I find joy in connection. Like, I really, truly get joy about it connecting with people every day and building relationships. And it's possible to grow and to get satisfaction out of that growth.
2: There was a program director at a radio station I worked at about 30 plus years ago and he said uh he gave me some similar advice but i thought this was really interesting and it and and it reverberates to me all the time he said be yourself but more Mm. and i thought what an interesting you know way to put it because you know when you're in broadcasting you're always thinking about you know trying to be bigger than life and you know live up to these icons you know that you've seen or heard and yeah. it, it was just—it was just such great advice, and you know, it it applies not just to people who are broadcasters, but but just in general, in the way you come off to people. Be yourself, but more.
1: Truly, yeah, and especially you know when you're a bit socially awkward, you're an introvert. As soon as you try to be someone you're not you actually become more awkward because it's taken. Up, <laughs> it's harder to pretend to be someone. Just like it's hard to, to, to continue with a lie, right? Because you start forgetting, well, what all the details and, and that lie becomes harder to maintain. When you're pretending to be someone you're not, that also becomes harder to maintain. And, and it shows in your posture and your voice. And, and it actually makes you more socially awkward, even though you think, well, I'm going to look more confident. It actually makes you look less confident because you're you're pretending to be someone you're not who you are
2: well my guest is monica parkin um goat herder and author um, (laughs) (laughs) of a book called overcoming awkward which aims to help introverts thrive in the workplace and and all kidding aside the book overcoming awkward what are some more tips to people that are being invited out of Of quarantine and lockdown and and back into the workplace
1: yeah Um, well that number one tip that we just talked about right is just be you be your authentic self whoever that is whether that's a quirky person or or a serious person or whatever that is be you the second tip is know that everyone else is going through the same thing like it's interesting after I wrote the book I thought it would just appeal to introverts But I've been getting a lot of messages from extroverts saying, you know, I picked up the book because I thought it would help me understand my introverted friends. And I've realized through this pandemic, I feel like I've started to turn into a little bit of an introvert because I haven't had those social connections. I've been stuck at home. We've been in this lockdown. And I actually am having some anxiety myself about returning to normal. So know that Everyone else out there is going through the same thing. Like you're not the only person who's feeling a bit nervous or a bit unsettled about returning to work and having some fears and anxieties. Even the extroverts are feeling that too.
2: Is there a way to ease into it or or is it just, um, you know, blast out there and do it?
1: I think it's always good to ease into anything, you know. uh, For me, it was as simple as like I... I would just make an effort to talk to the lady at the grocery store. You know, when I first started to step out, not step out, but really try to embrace social connections, is instead of being, you know, annoyed when she'd say, hey, Monica, have you got everything in your cart? I would be like, you know, Monica, you like people today. Remember, you're going to like people today. (laughs) Kind of told myself this little lie, right? Because I thought about, you know, when I first learned to like coffee, I really didn't like coffee, it tasted horrible. But I had to pretend to like it because I needed a bit of energy. And then at the end of two weeks, all of a sudden, you're looking forward to it every day. So I kind of did that with social interactions. I kind of did the fake it till I make it thing, right? I'd wake up in the morning and say, okay, today you like people. You like talking to people. You're going to have a great time. And then I'd make little tiny efforts, like even just talking to the neighbor at the mailbox, which is something I wouldn't do before. And then come home at the end of the day And kind of catalog all the good things that came out of that. Oh, I talked to the neighbor and I found out that, you know, there's a bear in the neighborhood. I should be careful. The grocery clerk uh, gave me uh, some information about a sale that's happening. Like, and just celebrate all the cool things that came out of those interactions. And then the next day, I felt more confident about having more interactions. But like, if I had a fear of spiders, I would not throw myself into a room full of spiders. That wouldn't help my fear. That would just, give me a giant panic attack, I would slowly expose myself. So if people are feeling fear and anxiety about returning to the workforce, you know, maybe you just go back for two hours the first day. You know, maybe you just go back for half a day the next day. But if you can, just dip your toes into it and then notice the good things. Don't focus on the negative because if you focus on the negative, you're going to feel more negative. If you sit and go, wow, you know, I actually got to catch up with Joe today. I found out they had a new baby or this happened and that was great. It kind of makes you feel better about going back to do it again the next day.
2: The book is called Overcoming Awkward, The Introvert's Guide to Networking, Marketing, and Sales by my guest, Monica Parkin. Um, Monica, is this your first book?
1: It is, yeah. It was actually, um, I've had it in my head for a long time, never been able to quite do it. And uh, I was laying in bed one day, you know, one Saturday, scrolling social media, and I saw this ad for a thirty day book writing challenge. Uh And I thought, wow, that looks interesting. And so I signed up for it, and uh, and I, yeah, I knocked it off in thirty days. I never thought that would have been possible. But I think for me, I needed that deadline because I'm I'm one of those people who's always off onto the next project, and having that 30-day deadline uh, really pushed me to get it done, and I'm glad that I did.
2: Do you have the bug now? Do you, you, is there another book in the future?
1: You know, my editor tells me there's a couple more in my head. I, uh, I haven't got them in my head yet, but, you know, as I'm, walking around, doing, you know, coming across different situations during the day, I kind of filed those notes away. What I've started doing now, though, is writing a lot of articles for publications, so mm-hmm. I guess I'm still writing. I'm just not writing a book. But I definitely I think there's there's another book in there. I just don't know quite what it is just yet.
2: But you did kind of get the writing bug. That's that,
1: I did, that's yeah. That's cool. And I, I forgot how much I enjoyed it. You know, when I went to university years ago, I actually – creative writing and then went into you know different fields and never picked it up again so you know i had a good 30 year gap but yeah i think i got bit because i i really enjoyed that time of just sinking into writing and turning off the rest of the world and and being very creative
2: well we're almost uh almost out of time, Monica, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Um, Do you
1: have a website? I do. It's pretty easy. It's just monicaparkin.ca or uh, mortgagemonica.ca. They both take you to the same website, and on there you can find links to my book. I actually have a, a podcast as well for for women, it's called juggling without balls. It's for women that juggle a lot of responsibilities, um, and we just talk about you know some of the challenges of of juggling a lot of different things. And uh, yeah, it's all it's all on my website. I love hearing from from readers. Uh, the audible version just came out. This week, remember, I was talking about going and recording that in the studio, it's uh, it's the number one new release this week on Audible in its category, so that was really exciting. So for people who don't like to read, who prefer to to listen. You can pick up the audible version now also.
2: Well, especially for those people that are going back to commuting an hour.
1: (laughs) That's right. Although they've also got the Tom Sumner show to listen to. So I don't know if I can compete with that.
2: Well, I don't know about that. I I, I know that's that's a way I like to consume books is audio books when I can. Um, But we've got to wrap it up. Monica, it's been a real pleasure talking with you. Thanks for sharing yourself and your uh, thoughts with me and the listeners this morning, and keep up the good work.
1: Yeah, thank you, Tom. I enjoyed it very much. Have a a wonderful day.
2: Take care. Again, Monica Parkin is the author of uh, Overcoming Awkward, The Introvert's Guide to Networking, Marketing, and Sales. And uh, if you're listening to us on 92.1 LPFM, WFOV, our voices radio, we're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, We have some messages as well, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hello there, citizens.
0: Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't
2: forget,
5: stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out.
4: East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint.
5: This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, in Philip Rapp's creation, the Bickersons. <laughs>
5: For once, the walls of the Bickerson's apartment do not resound with the persistent snoring of husband John. More's the pity. There can be only one reason for this astounding phenomenon. John Bickerson is not home. (laughs) Two o'clock in the morning finds Mrs. Bickerson on the telephone with Sister Clara. Let's listen.
3: What did you say, Blanche? I said I haven't heard from John since he left for work. You'd think he'd telephone me or something. Well, maybe he tried to call. You've had the phone tied up for over an hour, Blanche. You've called me three times. He's never done this before. I think he wants to upset me. He gets so angry every time I spend a dollar. He says I'm the biggest spendthrift in California. Am I, Clara? I don't think so. Well, John does. And you know how careful I am about money. Yes, Blanche. Well, I have to give the baby his bottle. You do? What time is it there in New York? It's almost 5.30 in the morning. Georgie gets a bottle every two hours now. He's four weeks old. He isn't gaining much, though. Well, what does he weigh? 61 pounds. It's like the doctor you have now. He thinks George is too heavy. Well, I think he's the cutest little thing I ever saw. Oh, did John's shoes fit him all right? Well, they pinch a little in the toes. Oh, well, you can get them fixed. Oh, I think John's here. Goodbye, Clara. John!
5: I can't find the blasted light switch.
3: Oh, I'm so glad you're home, sweetheart. I'm in here. Huh? Never mind the lights. Come to bed, darling.
5: Oh, well, I must have the wrong apartment. Uh, excuse me, madam.
3: John, come back here.
5: Oh, hello.
3: Where have you been?
5: Working. Let me get undressed. I'm exhausted. Why
3: didn't you call? Don't throw your good coat on the floor. John.
5: You can sweep it up in the morning. No
3: call. No message. No, nothing? Why didn't you call?
5: Didn't have a nickel.
3: You did, too. You had a quarter in your pocket this morning. (laughs) Who did you take to dinner tonight?
5: The whole chorus from Earl Carroll's. That's me, boy, Diamond Jim Bickerson.
3: Don't be so funny.
5: Oh, I'm not funny. I'm exhausted.
3: I bet you never even thought of calling me. Other men call their wives... If Mel Shaw leaves the house for even five minutes, he calls Louise.
5: Calls her what?
3: That lot you care about me. I've been sitting here worrying myself into a stew. What did you eat? Stew. John Bickerson, let me look at you. Are you sure you've been in the office till now?
5: Well, where do you think I've been?
3: I don't know. You didn't pass a cocktail bar on your way home, did you?
5: I never pass a cocktail bar.
3: That's what I thought. You had a drink.
5: I did not.
3: You had more than one.
5: I didn't have any.
3: Then why are you trying to take your pants off over your head?
5: What pants? This is the sweater you made for me out of your old slacks. I'm the only man in town with a v-neck seat. Stop
3: complaining. It keeps you warm.
5: Put out the lights, Blanche. I can't hold my eyes open.
3: John, you're not going to sleep in that horrible old sheepskin vest.
5: Well, I'm cold.
3: Take it off. It looks hideous.
5: Nobody sees it.
3: Now you just get up and put on some pajamas.
5: I hate pajamas. They strangle me.
3: Well, you can't wear that thing. Can, too. What if there's a fire?
5: That won't go. Good night, Blanche.
3: You just get out of that bed and hang up your clothes. Don't leave them for me.
5: Blanche, I'm sleepy.
3: I'm always crawling under the dresser and picking up your collar buttons pick up your ties, and I pick up your handkerchiefs. What do you think I am? A vacuum cleaner?
5: No, Blanche. A vacuum cleaner can be turned off. Look, Blanche, do me a favor, will you? I worked 18 hours today. Just let me close my eyes for a couple of hours, will you?
3: I'm afraid the minute you fall asleep, you'll start snoring.
5: No, I won't snore. I never snore.
3: How can you say that? You've never missed a single night since the second day we were married. Mm. You snore snore on Tuesday, on Wednesday you snore, on Thursday you snore. So what'll you do tonight? Oh, for the love of... Nobody would believe it. I'm married to a cellar pump. John, John, you promised you wouldn't snore. And the minute you closed your eyes, you started. Mm -hmm. John!
5: Ange, what do you want from me?
3: I won't stand for it. Go sleep in the guest room.
5: We haven't got a guest room.
3: If you were a good husband, you'd see that we had two guest rooms. (sighs) You used to have plenty of ambition before we were married. Whatever Mm. happened to your get-up-and-go?
5: He got up and went.
3: I might have known you'd be like you are. Selfish, inconsiderate, thoughtless, you didn't even send me a Valentine card.
5: St. Valentine's Day isn't until tomorrow. It's still tonight.
3: Tonight was yesterday. Today is tomorrow. What? And I know you didn't send a card because you didn't send me one last year. Well,
5: I forgot last year. You
3: always forget. You forgot my birthday. You. I bet you don't even know when you married me, do you?
5: No, I don't.
3: John Bickerson... You don't know when you married me?
5: When? Oh, I thought you said why.
3: I suppose you think you were a great catch. I could have married a half dozen of the wealthiest men in town. No, I had to fall for your smooth talk. You kept calling me your buried treasure, didn't you?
5: Didn't I what?
3: Didn't you always call me your buried treasure?
5: Maybe I did.
3: Well, what have you got to say now?
5: I'm sorry I dug you up. Good night, (laughs) Blanche.
3: Sorry you dug me up? There wasn't another girl in our crowd who would ever have given you a second look.
5: Oh, I don't know about that. Most of those dames thought I had what it takes.
3: Well, maybe you had it, but who took it? What did I get out of this marriage? Jewels? No. Clothes? No. Money? No. What did I get? No. I'll oh, tell you what I got: a one-room apartment and a leaky icebox.
5: A leaky icebox.
3: Every night, my pillow was wet from my tears.
5: Put a pan under it.
3: You're not listening to me. You don't care what happens. I wish I'd never been born.
5: Oh, Blanche, what's the matter with you? Why don't you go to sleep?
3: How can I sleep? How can I sleep when I know you don't love me?
5: Who said I don't love you?
3: Well, you never tell me you do.
5: I tell you a thousand times a day. I offered to pay a man $50 for a six-inch tattoo that says, John loves Blanche. Why did you object?
3: Because it would show when I wore my evening gown. Well,
5: I was going to let him do it on me, too. Anything to put a stop to that same question, night after night after night.
3: If you'd only say it once, of your own accord, I'd never ask you.
5: Okay, I love you.
3: Do you love me only? Yes. When I'm away from you? Yes. Well, say it.
5: I love you only when you're away from
3: me. I guess we do. Maybe that's why you stayed out. Cavorting. Until 2 o'clock this morning.
5: I wasn't cavorting. I was working. What for? Because I get paid for overtime and we need the money. I have to make a payment on my car next week. $84. <gasps>
3: Where will you get that?
5: Oh, I got it. It's in the desk drawer.
3: No, it isn't. It is,
5: too. I looked yesterday.
3: You didn't look today. Oh,
5: Blanche.
3: Well, there's only $60 in that drawer, John.
5: What happened to the other $24?
3: Don't look at me.
5: Listen, Blanche, there are only two people who have a key to that drawer, you and I, and $24 is missing.
3: Well, let's each put back $12 and say no more about it. I knew
5: it. I knew it. What did you blow it on?
3: To pay the phone bill, I made a few long-distance calls.
5: Long-distance calls? Who did you call for twenty-four dollars?
3: My sister Clara. I was worried. She had a tooth pulled.
5: How could you squander my money like that? I deny myself everything. Do I even buy toothpaste? No. I've been brushing my teeth with a whisk broom. I stick tinfoil in my cavities to save on dentist bills. I've been wearing an upper plate that belongs to my cousin. She calls New York every five minutes.
3: Don't make such a fuss. Clara's my only sister, and I have a perfect right to call her. Anyway, Barney's in the hospital. Who's Barney? Clara's husband. When he was out looking for a job, he tripped over a bar rail and two cases of bourbon fell on his head.
5: Well, it's the first time the drinks were ever on him.
3: How can you say that? (laughs) Barney's not cheap. He takes good care of Clara, she has a lovely home, and they've got money for everything.
5: Oh, sure. Money for everything.
3: Don't sneer. Last week, Clara had her tonsils taken out, and Venetian blinds put in.
5: With a mouth like hers, they could do it. That, that bum Barney isn't working. Where do they get the dough?
3: Accident insurance. He's collected a fortune on accident insurance. Every time Clara has a baby, he jumps off the roof. What? What? He doesn't hurt himself too bad, just enough to collect the insurance. You haven't got any, have you, John?
5: No, I don't want to talk about it. I want to sleep.
3: But suppose something happens to you. What if you have an accident and you can't work?
5: We'll starve.
3: We're starving now. That's too bad. It's easy for you to talk like that. If anything happened, I'd be left helpless and destitute. Why don't you get some accident insurance, John?
5: I'll get some next week.
3: You say it, but you won't do it. Why don't you get it now? What? Go on, get up get some accident insurance.
5: Blanche, are you out of your mind? It's almost 3 o'clock in the morning.
3: Well, people have accidents all hours of the night.
5: I'm not going to have any accidents tonight.
3: How do you know?
5: Blanche, why don't you let me sleep?
3: Well, just promise me you'll get some accident insurance. Why? Because it's a wonderful protection. Clara told me two weeks ago, a man broke his hip and he got $5,000. Last week, Barney fractured his skull and got $10,000.
5: Well, what about it?
3: Next week, you may be the lucky one.
5: Good night, Blanche.
3: Good night, John.
2: Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.